Hey, this is Akuya Jamfi, and you're listening to TBB Talks, a podcast where we from the British Blacklist bring you our conversations with creative black folk from the UK and across the globe. We'll be talking to up and comings, headline popping, and the legends from screen, stage, music, and literature. Basically, if they're creative, we'll be talking to them. And we hope to shed some insight into their lives, the work that they choose, who their inspirations are, how they stay motivated, and more importantly, how they keep sane being black in the arts and entertainment world. Hey Tom, welcome to TBB Talks with British Blacklist, me, Aquia Jamfi. You just said you've got some good news and I want to get into that before we even talk about anything else. What's happening? Tell me, exclusive. Ah, you know, you know I'm not allowed. No, no how I'm can you? Hold on, wait, no. No, I'm your big sister. <laughs> you have to tell me everything. We're friends. Yeah, but like, if you're my big sister, it should be off the record. Oh, if shit. You want to know. Okay, all right. <laughs> you, that's not... Okay, okay, wait, can you tell me afterwards? 100%. Okay, cool. I will do it off the record. I don't want to do any exposing, like, tabloid newspaper. That's not where, what we're about. Okay, so, hey, Tom, how are you? I'm very, very good. Thank you. How are you? I'm very, very good. And I'm very good because you've got good news, so you sound like you've got a smile in your voice. Um, So, <laughs> this is good news. So, yeah, let's jump straight into it. This little show called Famalam, that's kind of blown up in a way that I kind of, well, I suppose, I don't know if you expected it. Do you expect it to be so well-received? I knew that we did something special this season. I knew that as soon as they announce it and they give me the clips, I knew the certain sketches that were going to go viral because we really went for it this year. I came to the um, preview screening and test of any show, any co- especially comedy, is whether or not you genuinely laugh and if you're laughing regardless of what the audience is doing. And I had mm-hmm. barely laughing and the audience watching it with me, barely laughing and it's a natural reaction. What's it like hearing people laugh in the places that you need them to laugh? It's crazy because they will <laughs> laugh where you don't expect them to laugh. Mm. And when you're expecting to laugh, they won't laugh. Doing something like acting out some, trying to push forward a message and seeing people go do the oohs and ahs and laugh, it's the weirdest feeling after creating something and it makes someone it's, I don't know, it's something everyone has to experience at least once in their life. I've not really heard anybody say, like, nah, this doesn't work. And I think what's important about sketch shows, especially because, I mean, I came up at a time, I have to reveal my age, kind of. I came up at a time when sketch shows were popular in the 80s and 90s. We had lots of sketch shows on um, UK TV and it was, they were all really funny. We used to walk around the college school quoting all the quotes and stuff like that but there seemed to be a dip in that and it's not as hard it's not as easy to get back that sketch show thing especially in the UK I mean obviously America has SNL and other shows but we don't have something over here and especially for us as black folks so it's testament that you guys have found something that resonates with us as a community and spreads out so how what's that creative process like where how do you guys say yes to this and no to that how do you decide what to choose Basically, so AK and AK is our producer. Mm-hmm. He says he says hi, by the way. Hi, AK. <laughs> Love AK. <laughs> um, and Tom, the Tom Marshall, the director. Yeah. They have like a bunch of ideas, and they write up what they think. And then the cast writers are from me, Santon and Bemi, right, and Viv as well. And we submit what we want to do this year, and what we've gone through throughout the year, and things we want to talk about. It's literally like, oh, this is funny not funny oh this one's a bit too dangerous i don't know how they're going to take this one want to add a bit here take away here 
it's basically like a big kitchen, but there's loads of chefs. Yeah. And everyone tips into this big recipe, and we just go for it. We try it out in the room. So well, we need to add salt, and <laughs> it's just, it's we're really just plain. If you look at it, um, it in its pure form, just plain in the room. The director gives us, me, like me and Sam said, that sketch, what you look for, we were just <laughs> messing about. Really? <laughs> Yeah, like that is... so, <laughs> that we went off script. Does that happen quite often? Like you just, you guys just freestyle and just see what happens. One hundred percent. Sketch shows, the ones that make it to the actual broadcast sketches, bare them are just improvised. The script only serves as a guideline. You know, we know what messages we were trying to give. We know how the character arcs. You know, the director just presses the record button and says go you said that you get together and share what you've been through so it's a lot of it is life experiences life in general is quite funny even the serious moments even at a funeral you're going to see someone who's acting up that's actually 100%. a bit funny so <laughs> you and i'm just thinking of um samson's character the prince uh, it's just too much but there is still something that to be said about comedic timing and knowing when to cut, when to edit, when to say, okay, the yeah. joke's gone far enough. And I think well, when someone doesn't know that something's not funny or someone doesn't know when to cut the moment, I, how do you guys know that? I don't know how someone doesn't know. I have a big problem with people yeah, that don't know that they're not funny. When something's funny, regardless if you don't relate to it, regardless if it's not your life experience, when something's funny, it's funny. And it starts on the paper. And then the actors bring it to life and then the editors, they're like the vessel to make it more visually um, pleasing for the audience. So it's a whole process. But the timing, timing in comedy is really the key. Like if you keep cooking something for too long, it will burn. If you don't take it out of the heat too early, then you've got like something that's not ready. I think everyone in the team, from the writers, from AK, the director, the actors, to the people that edit, it's all going down to a T. And then I'm really happy that this season, more of the gatekeepers, celebrities were, were reposting stuff. I was really, really happy to see that. And it's not even done. Like, we're, we've still got a BBC One slot. It's going to have more of a reach. Because it started out on BBC Three, right? Yes. Yeah, so last season was BBC Three and BBC Two. And this season's going to have episodes on BBC One? Yeah. And so that's a big thing as well, because usually, not necessarily talking about diversity in that way, but it is a thing where they kind of trial our product out on the web series or the web channels or the bbc threes or the you know the extras or the second channels so to get on prime time again this is something that we're missing this is something that's amazing for you guys going back to that room the creative process this is something about you guys as well your ego because i think things that don't work is people let their egos block when you can't see that you're f not funny when you can't see that this story doesn't work but you're going to force it because you just want to be seen how did you manage your ego on this kind of journey because it's hard being in the uk being black and trying to make yourself seen there's steps that we all have to go through and it can be just soul destroying at times and sometimes we pick up roles that maybe or jobs that you know maybe compromise our uh, integrity or our beliefs that we just do it for the sake of it for the money or for the visuals with every single choice i make in terms of work and career i have these these four checklists things that affect it so i'm like how does this job affect my mission in life how does it affect my mentoring because i mentor a lot of young actors okay. which is pretty recent how does it affect my marriage i'm not married yet you know in terms of like who i'm with those have to be checked for me first so mm. it's, to me it's not really a money thing when i look at different roles that come up like anything that i don't want to do i will say no that's mm. where i am like because i came literally like Instagram I'm not going to say yeah. I didn't do the traditional expensive drama school routes you know I went to identity I went to a part-time drama school so 
I mean, I know where I'm came from. I know where I came from. I know where I want to be. Mm-hmm. And I know what isn't a part of that. Yeah, I know what wouldn't serve that. So it's something that comes up. Sorry, the last thing I have to add is, how does it affect my faith as a Christian man? You know, that overall is the most important because I attribute all of my, my successes to Father in heaven. Anything that goes against that, I'm just like, no, I'm all right. I don't care how much it is. My life isn't my work. So you've got a strong moral compass. You've got a background. So tell us a bit about you. Where where you where are you from? Where do you come from? Because I think I called you. I assumed you were Nigerian because it seems like Nigerians are just trying to take over. And I'm going in. I'm trying to come back and bring us back. But... Nah, listen, <laughs> even, I'm even your brother, bro. I know. Like... I discovered. But tell the people, where are you from? So I'm from Ivory Coast. Okay. I'm from a tribe in Ivory Coast called Akka, okay. which consists of Ghanaian and Ivorian tribes. Well, I'm now I'm learning. Cause I just I just wrote you off and just assumed you're of the the neighbours. <laughs> Didn't realise you're nah. actually cousins. <laughs> my first um, language was French. Okay. That is my first language, so you know I use that in acting as well. That has managed to get me roles. So. Don't lie, just as well you use it to get the girls as well, the French. But I use nah, that for my acting. Nah, nah. Tell me you've nah, never chirped I... a girl. Listen, Tom. Tell me you've never chirped no, a girl no. going bonjour, ça va. Uh... <laughs> it's always girls that ask, oh, can you speak French for me? It's so cringy that it's just very awkward. But yeah, so you're from the Ivory Coast and what area are you from? And how did you even get into saying, okay, I'm funny, I want to get into drama? I grew up in Peckham. Okay. Um, Wait, pause. How come? What's got, What's in the Peckham water? Because a bunch of you lot are coming from Peckham know. trying to do things. It's a bit I weird. I don't dude. know, like, because um, I went to school with, with dancing. Dancing Idris. Yeah, and okay. Dancing did was doing the online videos as well. Then when I started it, me and him hooked up mm-hmm. to do some some sick work together. Then he went identity. His career started off, and he told me to go identity. Then mm-hmm. I don't know. I remember in primary school, in the year above, John John Boyega was in the year above. Look at this. And it was just like, what is really going on? <laughs> I think I was talking to AK. I'm sure AK will back me up. I think we were talking about that, saying, hold on, what is in the South London waters? I like to say that I grew up in South too, not in Peckham, but I did grow up in South, but I moved to West when I was 20, so I'm still kind of South. I'm going to claim it now, start reclaiming it. You know, of course, to make everybody it wants to claim it now. I ain't claiming Peckham, though. No, 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 thank you. I'm from um, Wow. Tutin. <laughs> I'm going to claim Tutin <laughs> as my place. I grew up in Tutin. But, um, yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah, so there's something yeah, in the water, Peckham boys. I always see things differently to everyone in terms of... I always draw the comedy from everything, even okay. the worst things that I go through. Some of my friends, they say that they love being around me because just the way I see life making fun of things. And I've never really thought, OK, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be an actor. In primary school, when I first started, I could already speak French. So they used to get me this um, private teacher that was teaching me English on the side. And I used to watch a lot of movies. And there was this movie that came out called Con Air. Yeah, yeah. If you remember Nicholas Cage, now my parents wouldn't let me watch it. It was on cassette tape. So I waited for them to to leave one day to go to a, an event, mm-hmm. and I I slapped it on and I watched it, and it blew my mind. There was a scene where Nicholas Cage is running through the airport and yeah. there's explosions everywhere, and he's wearing a singlet. Don't believe I got my dad's singlet. I put I put my my school jumper over it. <laughs> At playtime, I didn't even speak to anyone. I walked to the furthest end of the playground. <laughs> took off my jumper and ran through jumping over people as if like I reenacted that scene I got excluded you did Cause oh. I, yeah because I jumped over someone and they put their shoulders and hurt themselves <laughs> but like from that point I knew that like I wanted to do something wow in, in like the movies because it affected me so much I wanted to I visualised it and you know sorry can I interrupt one second so when yeah. you had to go and tell your parents that um, 
uh, mummy, daddy, uh, this is what happened. Uh, First of all, you defied them by watching the film they told you not to watch. <laughs> then you went to reenact I... it. Then you, first of, all, first of all, let's go back. You stole daddy's singlet. Then <laughs> you ran through and damaged someone. Then you got excluded. What? I mean, how did you convince your parents that, no, no, this is why, because I'm going to be, you know, BBC One in future no, years. No, I didn't, I didn't know, like, <laughs> I, know. I didn't think that's what I wanted to do. Like, I, I just got beat up when I got home. <laughs> they flogged me, that's it. I didn't explain what happened. That was one of my earliest memories of yeah. anything acting related. But mm. in terms of, like, fully coming to my dad and saying this is what I want to do, we never really had that conversation. It's just... When things got better, he was on board. When things started, yeah, he just jumped on board, but he was never like with it. He thought I was just a stupid boy doing videos in Peckham, <laughs> and I was wasting my life away. But so were you going to? Sorry, I cut you because you were saying academically. Were you academic or were you just like nah? School's yeah, I got like I got in GCSEs. I got five A's, four B's, and two C's. I wasn't the best, but I did my thing. Going college, that's when I really messed up. I just went the wrong way, man. Oh, I just yeah. focused on the wrong thing okay. and got with the wrong crowd. I failed college four times. In two, in two different colleges. And so I can understand why my dad will feel like, you know, he failed college, I brought him to this country. You know, now he's doing videos in Peckham. What, <laughs> what is this Instagram that he's doing? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I just, I had, that's where I met God in it mm. at that point. And he told me that this is where I see. And I just stuck with it. And it's, it's going amazing. I think I spoke to Damson a while back about his role in Snowfall and how he managed to, I mean, he said he kind of slightly fell into trouble then, but his family rallied around and said, nope, this is not for you, boy. You better get on with what you're destined to do. So how did, you, you said that God spoke to you, but reflecting about what's going on right now, it's, it seems to be, even though we've always had crime and knife crime and street crime, it's always been something, that, something that's plagued us as young black people. However, it seems to be peaking at the moment and getting a bit more intense at this moment, this, this cycle that happens. How did you resist it, I suppose, and not feel like, okay, that's your only outlook in life? And what was it that what, what was it that made you say that? No? One, I didn't have the heart for that, to do that. I think my closest thing to that was when schools used to fight each other Yeah. back in the day. That's my closest thing to that. And I went to war with school. Mm-hmm. And another school called Geoffrey Chaucer was the rival school. And as year 10s, we inherited our the 11s is beef when we got into year 11. Oh, it's something that was ritualistic. It stopped when they actually killed one of my friends. Wow. And that's when it was like, okay, this was like fun, but it's not fun anymore. We need to stop this. Someone's actually dead and we, we couldn't believe it. That's when it, it, I realised that this, this stuff is actually really, really serious. We need to address it now. The stage that it is now, just through the roof. I think I had great friends once. Uh, mm-hmm. My parents were paranoid, so they weren't letting me out. Yeah. Play. So I wasn't even, like, chilling on, on, on the block in Peckham. wasn't a thing to me because my parents wouldn't let me out that much. Even down to the schools, like, when I finished primary school, I had to choose between Peckham Academy and Woolworth and stick. My mum my said, you're not going to Peckham Academy. Oh, like, wow. Because everyone went there. All the hoodlums, all the, everyone. Yeah. Like, and it's easy to get into that stuff because those are your friends and mm. they become your friends. And then one day they're beefing someone, then you're beefing someone, and then you're somewhere and they remember you from being this person's friend and then they attack you. It's just, it's a cycle. Mm. And I was really, really protective, man. You have a choice really, really early on. Some people, it's their family, like their dad and their mum's in it. Yeah, true. Do you get it? Their older brother's in it, so it's it's really tough. But for me, 
I got given a choice early on. There was an incident in college where some boys got into a fight and they planned to beef like in Victoria and they were trying to recruit people from college. And me and my friends were like, I'm not, well, cool, we're friends with you guys, but we're not going to do this. It just doesn't make sense. And then they end up all going to prison. So you got like, the life story in real time. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, there's points where you can make that choice. There's points. Mm. And obviously, when it's too far on, people can look from the outside, looking in and saying, oh, they're doing this on purpose, blah, blah, blah. Some of these kids can't literally leave their house without having a knife because yeah, they yeah. feel like they're going to get, they're going to die. Yeah. So it's really, for me, in my position that I'm in right now, that's why I want to, I'm trying to mentor a lot more because yeah. if we all at least take two young people on, you know, we could make a difference. Yeah. Everyone's got to play their part. The little that they do, it's not like about doing the biggest thing, but, you know, doing your part in your sphere of influence, which then makes a big knock-on effect. No, you're absolutely right. It's it's a crazy situation. Going back to where this is all going, so are we going to get a season three of Family Lab? Uh, you really enjoy trying to, like, get this information out of me. No, I think this is me just a question. Me. This is just, I mean, it's an obvious question that I, I would ask. It is very, very likely because this season is doing well. And okay. And, you know, we've moved to BBC One. I don't see a reason why we wouldn't get a season three. Fine. Um, I'm not pressuring you. And then outside of family, see, I'm moving on really quickly as well. Outside of Famalam, what do you have any other plans? Are you going to try to do film? I know some of your co-stars, some certain co-stars are going off to um, LA and New York and getting yeah. roles and stuff. What about you? Um, so I've got in May, I've got a small role in um, a film called The Hustle with okay. Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson that's coming Ooh. up. Which I, that's my first time on like the big screen. Wow! <laughs> I've got like one a one minute and 30, 30 second scene, but you know I'm in it and I I affect the decision, the next decision in the film. Yeah. That was my first time doing anything Hollywood. Me and my friend Demi, the Depot, um, we've been commissioned to write our own show, so I'm just focused on writing that at the moment um, with yeah. BBC, and I'm I'm touring with a play. What's the play? Very Are good. you allowed to say what the play is? <laughs> Okay, fine, don't. Okay, I'll move on again. See, swiftly, I'm not trying to probe nothing. And also, last, I actually heard about you from working with Walla Ragbaje. Are you two collaborating anymore on anything? Yeah, but that's long term. Like, that's, um, so I have a passion project that's based in Ivory Coast. Okay. It's like a political drama. Okay. It's a story of hope and the story of Ivory Coast hasn't been told yet. And I feel like this is that story and Walla wants to help me and, we're just building a team right now, but that's in the future. That's my, like, the boy who harnessed the wind. That's I hear my, you. I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. See, that was gentle. I wasn't even too nosy. Gosh, thank you. <laughs> well, brilliant. I mean, I just want to congratulate you and all the guys. It's amazing. You guys are extremely funny. And I just, it's just wonderful watching you lot grow, like my little babies all growing up um, and going to college and uni. So it's great. Well done. Um, thank you very much for speaking to me, Tom. No problem. Okay. God bless you. Thank you for having me.